Welcome to the Impact Room, brought to you by Philanthropy Age and me, Maisa Jalbout. Step inside to hear stories of success, failure, and impact from people dedicated to solving global development challenges. This is a space to connect people and ideas that make a real difference to our world. Sesame Street has been entertaining children around the world for generations. First launched in 1969, the show was an experiment to see if television, then just an emerging technology, could be used to educate young children. Now, more than five decades later, Sesame's educational and social messaging is being delivered by a vast and diverse cast of Muppets and humans to children and caregivers across seven continents in more than a dozen languages. Hey, welcome to the United States. 欢迎大家来到芝麻街。过去马这里过大年。过年呐。Olá, in the impact room, I'll be taking a detailed look at Ahlan Simsim, a new Arabic language version of the show, and considering how the work in this region could be scaled and used to support children in other crisis settings, such as Ukraine and Afghanistan. This is not the first time there has been an Arabic Sesame Street, but this iteration of the show has been designed specifically to target Arab children who have been affected by war and displacement. Aimed at three- to eight-year-olds, Ahlan Simsim uses music and humor to deliver basic lessons in literacy and numeracy, as well as equip children and their caregivers with tools to deal with emotional challenges such as fear and anxiety. With the escalation of crisis and conflict settings and um, the rising number of children who have been forced into displacement, whether internally or into a refugee context, Sesame Workshop really felt that we had a unique role to play in helping to mitigate the effects of, of trauma and promote early education in settings where children were being deprived of those educational opportunities. That's Shari Rosenfeld, Senior Vice President of International Social Impact at Sesame Workshop, the U.S.-based nonprofit which created Ahlan Simsim in partnership with the International Rescue Committee, IRC, an international NGO. I asked Shari about how they developed Ahlan Simsim and what led to the strong focus on psychosocial support. The decision to focus on the vocabulary of emotions came out of our direct work with communities and, um, our, and you know, beneficiaries in the Middle East. We went in thinking that perhaps we were going to focus more on what children are missing out in an early education setting like literacy and numeracy. And what we heard from experts in early childhood education, you know, experts in child mental health, was that before we could even focus on some of those cognitive skills, we really needed to create that emotional and social uh, bedrock. 
and give children the vocabulary to express what they're feeling during these really, really challenging times. And so that's what led to the focus on socio-emotional learning. Alan Simpson, which in English translates as Welcome Sesame, began life as a small-scale community pilot in Jordan using sesame-themed materials to help young children learn through play. Initially funded by Open Society Foundations and the Bernard Van Leer Foundation, a Dutch organization focused on early years development, Ahlan Simpson soon caught the attention of bigger donors and in 2017 won the MacArthur Foundation's inaugural 100 and Change competition. This resulted in a landmark grant for 100 million US dollars to develop the project over five years, making it the largest ever philanthropic intervention into early years education in a humanitarian setting. A year later, in 2018, the Lego Foundation awarded an additional $100 million to Sesame Workshop to support the Ahlan Simpson project with IRC, as well as help the international NGO BRAC expand its humanitarian play labs initiative for Rohingya refugees in Bangladesh. Together, these programs are the largest early childhood development intervention in the history of humanitarian response. Now that the dust has settled on these much-hyped funding announcements, I was curious to know how the programs were progressing, whether big money really means big impact, and how sustainable and scalable this approach might be. But before we go any further, in case you've not had the chance to watch an episode of Ahlan Simsim or you don't speak Arabic, here's Marianne Stone, Regional Project Director for the program at IRC, to tell us more about the themes and characters in the show. Ahlan Simsim has characters that were all newly created for the show. So Basma is a purple monster Muppet. She's six years old and she's really like a gregarious young girl who really likes to have fun. She loves music. She loves sound. She likes to paint. Jad is a super creative six-year-old and he's new to the neighborhood. So he comes to the, to the neighborhood with the experience of somebody who is meeting new people. He has experiences and memories from where he came from. So, you know, he brings his grandfather's paintbrush or different types of items that connect him with where he was before. And so part of what Jad does for the show is also allow children to connect with a character who maybe has never had that experience before or who is shy to meet new people or, you know, who has memories from where they were before that can sometimes be hard to deal with and emotions around that. Since I spoke to Marianne, a new character has joined the show. Amira is eight years old, deeply inquisitive, and she loves doing science experiments. Due to a spinal cord injury, she uses either a wheelchair or forearm crutches to get around. Basma, Jad, Amira, and a comedic goat called Mazuza appear alongside regular Muppet friends such as Elmo, Cookie Monster, and Grover, and the various human cast members. Ahlan Simsim is currently broadcast across the region via Dubai-based Saudi television channel NBC3 and is also shown on local stations in Jordan, Iraq, and Lebanon. But of course, it is much more than just a television show. By 2023, Sesame Workshop and IRC aim to reach more than 1 million young people across Jordan, Iraq, Lebanon, and Syria with their off-screen programming. This includes families receiving a home visit from an educator to help them learn more about play-based learning, 
to schools using video clips, storybooks, activities, and games to support literacy, numeracy, and psychosocial development. Marianne from IRC explained how the Sesame characters are used off-screen. Sesame has developed this amazing show and also a suite of um, materials like books, um, worksheets. So we use those different types of assets in different ways. So you might have a child um, who's going through a lesson with a facilitator or with a teacher. And within that lesson, the teacher is using a book where you know, Basma is discovering something about an emotion that she's having and how she can resolve that emotion in different types of ways, using belly breathing or using other sorts of productive ways that children caregivers can draw upon in order to help their child deal with emotions. So we're drawing from uh, short form clips that come from the show. We draw from the different books that Sesame has created that use the characters in the books. You could have a lesson plan in the morning that um, has a focus on, you know, emotional regulation where we use a video, like I was saying with Basma doing belly breathing and the children do a belly breathing exercise. And in the afternoon, maybe there's more of a cognitive focus and the teacher is, you know, reading a big book in front of the class. And then during the lessons, the children might be working on letters and we have uh, worksheets that can be used for a child to practice how to draw, you know, different letters in Arabic. So we really try and integrate the, the Sesame world into as much as possible that we can in terms of the work that we're doing on the ground. I'm encouraged that instead of simply producing materials in a vacuum and handing them out to affected populations, an approach that sadly often happens in crisis settings, the Ahlan Simpson teams are working with line ministries and the target countries to support targeted curricula development and plug specific gaps in local learning needs. In Jordan, for example, Marianne explained how Ahlan Simpson-themed materials were being used to prepare pre-kindergarten children to enter school. In Jordan, um, we have a really fruitful partnership with the Ministry of Education here. And the way that we've approached that is asking, what are the needs of Jordanian children and Jordanian caregivers? And how can we, with this project, support those needs in order to be reaching as many children in Jordan as possible? One of the things that has been a goal here in Jordan is trying to make KG2, so kindergarten, more accessible for children. How can we make sure that children are prepared when they enter first grade? Because we know that school preparedness is particularly important in this specific age range in order for children to be able to be successful as they move forward with their education. And so we've created targeted curriculum with the Ministry of Education in Jordan, the Ahlan Simpson team here in Jordan, and then also other partners that are working in the humanitarian field like UNICEF, RTI, to launch a, what we call right now a readiness program um, that allows children to be refreshed so that when they enter the first grade, they feel prepared. We have a, a piece of this program that's also focused in particular on caregivers because we know, and we know even more now because of COVID, how important the caregiver as a stakeholder in a child's life and a child's education is. And so we also have programming that specifically targets caregivers so that they feel like they have the tools that they need in order to be able to support their children to be successful. We're really coming at this from the angle of what is the demand in country, where are the gaps, and what is our added value, not as the sole stakeholder in the context, but as a partner. Helping the IRC team and Sesame Workshop understand the impact they're having both in the Middle East with Ahlan Simsim and in Bangladesh with BRAC's Humanitarian Play Labs, is Global Ties for Children. This is an international research center embedded within New York University. 
Global Ties co-director is Hiro Yashikawa, a community and development psychologist specializing in early childhood and a professor of globalization and education at NYU Steinhardt. I asked Professor Yashikawa about his role and what sort of impact his team, which is a co-grantee, were looking for. The vision here is to really develop a new set of models in this somewhat brand new field of early childhood development in the humanitarian sector, which has been largely overlooked for a very long time. Until recently, when I think a real explosion of awareness and interest um, in both the science and the programming of early childhood development led to the inclusion of Target 4.2 in the Sustainable Development Goals, a target on early childhood development and learning. And so at the same time that that kind of advocacy work was going on to bring early childhood development into the global agenda, there were efforts to um, bring it onto the agenda of the humanitarian sector. Professor Yoshikawa explained that research teams would be studying the impact of Ahlan Simsim on children to see if it influenced how they managed their emotions. The teams would also be surveying caregivers about their experiences, and in Bangladesh looking at how fathers and adolescent mothers shared the materials with their children and where the greatest needs were within Rohingya families. The intent of the program is to increase the range of coping strategies that kids have, and um, actually even prior to that, um, being able to identify strong emotions and big feelings. And so um, the episodes are um, entertaining and funny, as one might expect from the history of Sesame Workshop. Um, So there's a lot of music, there's a lot of cultural aspects of the Levant region, um, dialects represented, but it is about uh, increasing the range of coping strategies that kids can use and to, at the same time, um, help caregivers understand some of those uh, same things. It is multi-generational. There are adults, um, there are grandparent uh, figures, there are community leader kind of uh, figures, um, there are uh, caregivers, and then there are kids. Kids are not identified as um, necessarily like, for example, Syrian or refugee in origin, but coming from another neighborhood and sometimes missing some of the things that they used to have in their in their old neighborhood. And so the, the lessons of um, displacement and reintegration uh, into communities are, are represented in developmentally appropriate ways. I know from my own experiences of working in the sector that this emphasis on social and emotional development is particularly important for children who have experienced conflict and associated displacement and loss. It is encouraging to see Sesame Workshop focusing on these areas. Here's Shari Rosenfeld again. When we go in, you know, we know that the effects of trauma in the early years can have lifelong negative effects. And so part of what we want to do is to intervene early in order to mitigate those effects of early trauma due to um, living through crisis and conflict. And the research has shown that the nurturing care framework, which really promotes the importance of early intervention with a caring adult, that serve and response um, pattern where adults proactively engage in a meaningful way and mirror their child's experience and mirror back to their child in a way that promotes that positive engagement. 
The fact that both the MacArthur Foundation and the Lego Foundation have been willing to invest so much into this project seems to indicate that donors are finally waking up to the needs of early years in humanitarian settings. I asked Shari whether she felt the scale of this funding over a five-year period had set a new bar for the sector. No one believes that the $200 million that was invested in Sesame Workshop and its partners is going to, quote-unquote, solve the educational issues and the issues around the, you know, the long-term impacts of traumatic experiences on young children. But it is this catalyst. It is a, um, a way of drawing attention, putting the spotlight on, galvanizing additional resources, and really prioritizing the importance of early education in emergency settings as a longer-term issue that requires significant investment in order to really give hope to this next um, generation and generations to come, because there is a generational effect of trauma. The effects of trauma can be passed on from generation to generation if it's not addressed early on. So um, the investment required is significant and it is long-term, but I think we are paving the way and showing that it is indeed um, worthwhile and um, extremely critical and important. Shari also made the important point that historically, the short-term nature of humanitarian funding has made it hard to address more complex areas such as early childhood development. For so long, grants promoting educational outcomes have been largely overlooked in the humanitarian sector because uh, the focus has been on short-term, sort of more acute needs the average grant length um, has been in the neighborhood of 12 to 18 months, so it doesn't really take that longer-term perspective. And what's really been groundbreaking about these two very large grants is that they're both five years in duration, which gives us an opportunity to really think long-term, a tremendous commitment to research, um, and thus our engagement with Global Ties for Children, who are really doing some of the most rigorous research. In fact, we are tripling the body of research in this field um, in just these two grants themselves and elevating the importance of early education in emergencies in the sector um, as a whole. And so advocacy and policy, you know, closely linked to our research efforts is a big thrust of the work that we're doing to um, really agitate for more resources to be invested in the sector, not necessarily or not even specifically at all to Sesame Workshop, but early childhood in, in emergencies writ large. I fully agree that the size of this funding could be catalytic, and I really hope it is. But one question I've had from the beginning is around sustainability. The initial $100 million for Ahlan Simsim was to last five years, starting in 2018. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which forced the project to repurpose materials for home learning, possibly a topic for a whole separate podcast, an extra year has been added, taking it up to the end of 2023. But then what? With the crisis in Ukraine sucking up vital aid dollars away from the Middle East and Asia, what will happen to Ahlan Simsim after 2023? I asked Shari how sustainable the project was and what sort of legacy it would leave behind. 
we have a broad definition of sustainability um, that's not just uh, limited to the, the perpetuation of philanthropy um, to continue the work that we do. While, of course, that is a primary objective of ours, we're very much focused on local systems and local actors taking on our work, our methodology, and our content, which we leave behind, and integrating it into ongoing systems that are resourced locally. And so specifically, we're looking at local governments who are operating you know, early childhood centers and are working on early intervention opportunities to really integrate the Ahlan Simpson content in the Middle East into their ongoing work, the teacher training opportunities that we provide, using that to catalyze a whole system of teacher training and capacity building. Sustainability is really critical across the dimensions of the direct work that we do on an ongoing basis that's supported by philanthropy. It's directly attributable to the ways in which local governments and also local NGOs that have an ongoing sustained presence in these markets in which we're working, the extent to which they take on the work that we're doing and integrate it on an ongoing basis into the work that we're doing. And then of course, from the advocacy point of view of really elevating the importance of education, early childhood education in emergency settings so that local governments and local philanthropies continue to invest in that, even if it's not directly into our program, but into the sector writ large. Marianne from IRC echoed this point about training teachers and creating a legacy of an ecosystem around early childhood development in countries like Syria and Iraq. She also told me about a facilitator app that is currently in development, which will be available for teachers and caregivers to support them to continue using the Ahlan Simpson material long after the IRC teams have left. Just creating the awareness about the importance of early childhood development, a topic so often overlooked in cash-strapped humanitarian settings, is also important. My personal opinion is that the more advocates that we create at the level of the individual that understand how important early childhood development is across a whole variety of domains, not only learning, but also nutrition, the more that we're going to be able to see the, you know, the, the wave of, of the impact of what we've been able to do with the money that we have. This isn't just about funding. It's about sustainability more from the perspective of how are we creating advocates? How are we creating a network of early childhood development actors? And so there's pieces of, you know, what we're doing in places like Jordan with governments that we're really trying to ask ourselves, how can we also do that in a place like Syria with a network of, for example, civil society organizations or within the humanitarian architecture? Because the reality is, is that if we're able to use this project as a way to, again, galvanize others, increase awareness on ECD and use the content in a, in a way that allows for other actors to, to onboard it and to facilitate it, even if we're no longer here, then that creates the lasting effect, the core of sustainability, with, which is so important for Ahlan Simpson. I think what we've seen in places like Syria and in places like Iraq is that whether we're talking about local communities, caregivers, or line ministries and governments is that there is a demand for early childhood development. There's just not always the capacity to prioritize that within funding streams. 
And so my opinion and my hope is that we can also use these last two years in a way that allows us to see the prioritization of early childhood development continuing to increase so that whether we're talking about investments from U.S. government or investments from inside of the ministry itself, or whether we're talking about how a community can sustain something like this itself, that we see that there's some sort of lasting thread of Ahlan Simpson and early childhood development programming in the, the way that people are interacting also as families and, and governments and within their structures. It's fair to say the Ahlan Simpson project is truly groundbreaking in philanthropic terms. It's not only pioneering new ways to approach early childhood development in education in humanitarian settings, but it has done so at a scale that has really forced people to sit up and take note. I look forward to future iterations of this work and seeing how this learning can be shared to support children in Ukraine, Afghanistan, and beyond. We will continue to follow the initiative and hope to bring you, our listeners, more as the evaluation reveals the real impact on the ground. You've been listening to me, Maisa Jalbout, in the Impact Room. My guests were Marianne Stone, Regional Project Director for Ahlan Simsim at IRC, Shari Rosenfeld, Senior Vice President of International Social Impact at Sesame Workshop, and Professor Hiro Yoshikawa, Co-Director of NYU's Global Ties. The Impact Room is produced by Philanthropy Age. You can find us on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts and via the Philanthropy Age website at philanthropyage.org. Until next time.